0: Hey, hey, hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to another episode of A Pow Wow with Pops coming to you from Gainesville, Florida uh, the southeast mecca of punk rock music Uh, We appreciate you all taking the time to stop and listen uh, and uh, learn and hopefully share wonderful stories with some of the musicians and artists that I am lucky enough to uh, speak with and uh, talk to and one of my favorite bands of all times uh, the singer of that band is joining me today after me pestering this poor guy for almost a year and a half like I must have been like a mosquito in his ear and I apologize for that but uh, today I would like to introduce to you Larry Damore what's up Larry
1: How you doing? How you doing? Finally, finally, finally going to get to go do this thing. And and I got to say my apologies for, for pushing it off for so long.
0: Dude, like I said, life happens.
1: You know how it is. Life gets in the way. Always.
0: That's, that's what makes it so interesting. (laughs) So, um, I'm pretty simple and curious. So I would just like to, probably usually how I start is like pretty much from the beginning. Um, are you originally from Chicago?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I I grew up um, actually in a suburb of Chicago. I grew up about 12 miles outside of Chicago, but um, I, I'm hung, most of my social life was in the city. Um, you know, like, like I said, I was pretty close to it and right on the border. So, yeah, I, I, I could say, yeah, I kind of did grow up in Chicago, but even though I'm from a little bit outside of it.
0: Right. You 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 learned the street life of Chicago.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. Awesome. Definitely.
0: Um, so what, what, so what got you into music in the first place? What was, is there, was it someone in your family? Like, is your family very musical or do you have a lot of like people in your family that listen to music? Did you guys, is that something that was important in your family?
1: You know, uh, not really. I mean, um, neither one, neither one of my parents were really, uh, into music or played instruments or anything like that. As a matter of fact, it's kind of quite the opposite. My dad used to be a professional football player.
0: (laughs) Oh, really? Um,
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, for, some, for some reason, uh, I had always uh, loved music, though. I mean, uh, you know, even up to the 70s when I was a kid, listening to whatever, Kiss or whatever, so, uh, so I, uh, music what grabbed has always you for... been a strong driver in my life.
0: Right, what was the first band that really grabbed you and said, holy shit, I have to do this?
1: Um, as far as, uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, I was really pr- out of high school before I even thought about getting into a band. Um, I, I, I was driving in my car one day. Here's how the, here, 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 I'll give you the, I'll give you the beginning about how I get into punk rock. And then okay. from there, uh, my, my thoughts on, on why I wanted to get into a band. Uh, I, I was just happened to be driving my car one day and I was fiddling around with my radio and, uh. I was way on the left and just by chance, uh, this is probably 1982, uh, just by chance, uh, got onto some college radio station uh, that I had, that I just, you know, just by accident, um, Anyway, I heard a Minor Threat song, <laughs> followed by a Naked Ragun song, and oh, I was shit. like, holy cow, what kind of what is this music? It just <laughs> absolutely blew me away. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, I had heard, up, up until that point, you know, I had heard, like, The Clash and stuff like that, but uh, oh. it really wasn't until I had heard hardcore music that, that I was just absolutely blown away, and then, from you know, from that day on, I, I started seeking it out, and... Uh, you know, found all kinds of cool music, and the, the, the cool thing about it was, you know, once I got into it, um, or, you know, when I was going to see bands and stuff, I was realizing that to everybody that was playing, it was just like y- you or me, right. so, uh, it, 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 you know, it was it was friends playing for friends, really, and, exactly. um, you know, it just kind of dawned on me how easy it would be, uh, you know, wouldn't it be cool to, to start my own band, and,
0: uh, and so we did so and when did you when, when what date was that like when did you guys finally decide okay well, what date did you start practicing just put it to you that way well <laughs>
1: i'll tell you what it, probably in 82 and 83 i played uh my first band uh was with our original bass player steve uh from yeah, yeah. Pegboy, uh and and it was with the well, I actually uh, was with Steve uh, and this guy Vince, who was in a prior band, who, who ultimately ended up in, a, in another band that uh, of mine before Pad Boy called Bopal Smith, which is a hardcore band that we were probably together maybe 1980s or maybe 1988.
0: Do you have any music uh, out just on friends. It? On you know, they thing? were just
1: friends, a couple of them from high school. Right. Um, and then we started playing, and, and it evolved. And it, you know, we started playing a few covers, uh, and it evolved into us wanting to write our own music and, and get our own thing going. It wasn't until like probably 1990 uh, that I ended up playing up with John and um, starting Peg Boy. Right,
0: right. So those so those seven years between like '83 and '90, what was the Chicago scene like? What was the what, what what was a lot of the stuff that was going on back then?
1: Uh, at that point like right in in, in the early to mid 80s the the whole punk rock scene was pretty much exclusively uh, a Chicago thing Um, so you know there was a lot of hanging in the city and there were bands like Chicago bands like the Effigies or Naked Ray Gun you know just to name a couple that were from Chicago Mm -hmm. and at the same time there was this place called uh, Metro on the north side which was a little bigger theater that was starting to put on a lot of hardcore uh, touring acts. Um, oh God, Black Flag, Husker Circle Jerks—all these bands started coming through. Um, so, so, you, so there was you got a to, pretty you got to... vibrant music scene happening in Chicago. Wow! And then toward like '80, maybe I would say '86-ish or so. Uh, there was a little scene in a band uh, you may have heard of, <laughs> Screeching Weasel. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the was, they were starting their own, kind of getting their own scene going out in the suburbs. Yeah, they were. So I had heard, I had heard uh, one of their uh, records played on a, a local college station and contacted them. So I kind of hooked up with them to, to play a show uh, with my old band, Bo Paul Stiffs, in the city. Yeah. Uh, and it all just kind of spun from there. Um into like a scene that started outside of the uh, outside of the city in the suburbs, uh, this place called Dirty Nellies, uh, and before huh. shit. Within a couple of years, there was a huge suburban scene out that way, okay. as well as a, a really good scene here in Chicago, and, and and that's when everything really started to blow up.
0: That's great. That seems like they've. Dude, I couldn't imagine because growing up in Florida the punk scene for me like in my high school like i graduated 1990 so i started high school in 86 there were six there were six punk rock kids in our high school with of uh, 1500 students yeah yeah it was like we would get beat up every day you know like it was just a constant right <laughs> You know, it's like right.
1: I agree. In fact, when, you know, when I was in high school, um, there, there were no punk rock kids at my high school. That's really? Why we were forced to like go into the city and, and find it. Jeez. So yeah, I mean, in, in those days, um, you were certainly an outcast, and, <laughs> and if you weren't an outcast, you were certainly into something that nobody else was okay. really right, right, even aware of. So even aware of at my high school.
0: So were you? So, so did you play sports in high school? Uh, I did. I was a wrestler. I played football. And like you said earlier, my dad was an ex-Bear That's Chicago Bear.
1: That's what I was asking. Bear. So, <laughs> I mean, I, was, I played Little League
0: Baseball and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Uh, However, I was also a little bit of a partier the whole time. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so, I, it was kind of a crossover thing with me. And, and like I said, music was always a big part of my life. It was a natural thing when I was done with the sports to get into the uh, music.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. To- and so, what year? say so, so, 90... Is you say is the when is that when like Pegboy really started like working hard, getting their their chops yeah. together?
1: Yeah. I'll tell you the way that the way that came about, um John, who's our guitar player at the time, uh was the guitar player for Naked Ray Gun. Um Okay. He was pre- he was pretty unhappy with the way uh, things were going with Naked Ray Guns. They didn't want to tour uh, as much as he thought they should be doing. They there were have other internal problems going on. <laughs> uh, and at the same time, my band, uh, I was just kind of getting a little burnt out uh, on my band, but Paul Stiff. So uh, I had quit, um, or just was basically quitting uh, my my band. Uh, and then I heard that I had known John John was a friend of mine I had heard that he had quit Naked Ray Guns so I figured hey perfect opportune time this is like 1990 wow. I said John John uh, would you want to join our, you know, our band, Bo Pelts? He said, "Well, no, not, not really." He said, "But if, if you ever do anything else, give me a call." So it wasn't really. Probably a couple weeks <laughs> later, that I gave him a call and said, "Hey, let's let's get a band again." And that was probably like early uh, '89, or probably like somewhere about '89 or '90. Okay. And, and then we released our first EP so sometime in '90, I believe.
0: Oh well, wow. and that, and that was out on it was, that was on Touch and Go
1: that was on Touch & Go. Okay. And so it was, you know, uh, Touch & Go was uh, obviously like a super great uh, uh, Chicago label. Amazing. They were actually really a, a national label, but yeah. they were based here in Chicago put a lot of Chicago bands on. So it was an easy, it was an easy, uh, it was easy for us to get hooked up with them. Yeah, it was, yeah. It like the obvious way to go.
0: No, most definitely. And you guys have stayed, you guys stayed with them the whole time, right?
1: uh say that again
0: please. as a band as Pegboy, boy did you stay with touch and go the whole time every album you put out or
1: we did um you know i mean for, for those of you who don't know uh touch and go was really a lot like Discord in the way they ran their business um we never had a written contract with them um they were always like super fair uh willing to work with us on anything uh, and everything was split. all the profits were split right down the middle fifty fifty which was which was unheard of uh, yeah. you know for record labels back then. so um, they were always great to us we never had re- we never had any reason to want to leave or right. to want to go to any other labels
0: that 's cool that 's a really neat thing to find because i've 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 known quite a few people that have owned independent record labels, and you know sometimes you see it where it 's like they they turn over you know, these bands that could, you know, like, it seems like they make a good relationship with, but somehow that weird money thing always seems to kind of fuck it up, you It
1: know? does, I mean, it gets in the way, and I, you know, I, I always understood, like, you know, some, you know, Touch and & Go and Discord, those band, those labels were around, I mean, Discord's still around, Touch & Go still, you know, does a little here and there, but yeah. those, those record labels were around for 25 years, 20, 25 years, I think a lot of, like, the smaller independent labels, you know, in nineteen ninety, when Nirvana broke, <laughs> everybody wanted to have a, a record label. So yeah. there were there were independent record labels that were tied with major labels. There were there were other people who just wanted to make money off it. There, I mean, there was all kinds of stuff going on, and, and unfortunately, a lot of them you know a lot of them didn't you know work out to that band's best interest, and sometimes it was not even to the label's interest. Right. You
0: know? No, totally. That's funny. When you were starting Pegboy and getting this stuff going and that's when kind of like that grunge movement started happening. What was your reaction to that in comparison? I mean, was it, did you like it, and you were still writing the uh, music that you liked, that you wrote? Or I mean, because like I know a lot of punk rock kids you know, in Florida that would be like, fuck Nirvana. <laughs> you know, like, like they're uh, you not punking mean, I'll tell you what.
1: Uh, uh, here, here I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I was at, it had to be, I mean, when did that Nirvana come, record come out? Was it 90? was that ninety? That was, had to be ninety, right? Yeah, about ninety. I was browsing. I was just browsing around our local uh, record company out here one day, Wax Tracks, and uh, they were playing that Nirvana record before anybody had. I mean, the thing must have just came out. I mean, I heard it in the background while I was browsing for records, and that that they were playing "Smells Like Team Like Spirit." Uh, team spirit and you know it's played out now but when i heard that song that song completely absolutely blew me away okay. even to the point where i actually went up to the counter and asked like who what what is, who, what is this band playing okay you know and i had heard of nirvana at that you know before but and that that record completely blew me away and it wasn't probably a week later that thing you know, that record changed everything about music.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and, and, you know, some people are down on when all that happened. Some yeah. people, you know, a lot it, of kids probably weren't even born when that <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, there's always but, I mean, hate.
0: It's just uh, so weird. When that game.
1: happened, I yeah. mean, that all spilled over. I mean, there was, a, at that point in time, there was even a, it, it, that. It even spilled over into the underground. There was there was a great music scene happening uh, during the '90s. Yeah, it was uh, and and the result from, from Nirvana uh, blown it up. Really? Yeah.
0: No, that's true. And it's so funny. is like because people don't realize. I think I think you just kind of proved a point that I always try to make about artists and musicians and and, and artistry is that you. As an artist, even if uh, you play punk music, you can feel the energy, the love, and the work, and the and the artistry that some other band put out. You can respect absolutely. it. Absolutely. You can love it. Yes. And it, you don't have to block absolutely. yourself off just because it's not what you're doing.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah and you know what before Nirvana broke you know or, or even The Offspring for that matter in that time in that time frame yeah. those bands were touring they were doing the exact same thing every punk band was doing in the country exactly I mean, so it was all these, DIY those bands <laughs> come directly from the scene that we started and you know the scene that we were part of and and uh, you know the scene those guys were punk rockers before they before they made the mainstream. So right. I mean, to like make some kind of judgment on them that they were doing something any different than 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 any other independent or underground band is, is really ridiculous yeah, I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> it's no. not even worth it's not even worth or, yeah, or yeah. Remark, really. you're kind of, it's
0: just yeah you're shitting on someone's artistry which is not cool <laughs> at all so okay right, right. When, so and, when and, and,
1: and another thing those bands never they never tried to be anything different than what they were exactly so i mean i i i have a i have a huge problem with bands that that Try to be something they're not in order to sell a ton of records. I mean, you, that's, that's not could what you it name one? those bands certainly were not <laughs> like that at the beginning.
0: I would love to hear you name one. No, I'm joking. You don't have like to. <laughs> <No>. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, once Pegboy gets together, in ninety. Um, are you all living in Chicago?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. For the most part, yeah, we're all living in or about the city. Um, okay. So. Uh, you know, and our goal at that point was—I mean, when that type of music kind of blew up a little bit, um, we wanted to remain. We we did. We you know we got courted a little bit by labels and stuff, but we were always kind of a little. We always thought we could just do our thing on the underground and 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 and, and just plug along and do what we do. We thought that'd be the best way for us to to go about our lives, and, and that's exactly what we did. We never. You know, we, like, I said, like you said, we stayed with touch and go the whole time and, and we're very happy. That seems like
0: a, I don't, I don't know if I'm making kind of an assumption here, but that seems like a kind of like a Chicago thing. Like the people there are very hardworking. You guys are ride or die for each other. You know, like if you're seen strong, you know, it seems like you stick, there's a real bond.
1: It is. It's a lot like yeah, yeah. Chicago is is far enough from New York and far enough from L.A. from L.A. Where it wasn't really influenced by anything we had to create our own thing and obviously chicago's a blue-collar hard-working yeah. uh, town uh... and and that's basically where our, our whole band came from you know we were plumbers yeah. construction workers yada 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 yeah. Uh, and yeah we, had, we definitely had that blue-collar working attitude
0: well that's what i mean that's another thing that Pulled me towards you guys because that's how I grew up. I mean, my grandfather was like a AC guy, or he he would like manage low income apartments. You know, he was in the military for right. twenty years. My whole uh-huh. family's in the military. Actually, my whole family. It's kind of funny. They're all kind of really southern rednecky, and I'm like the black sheep <laughs> of the family. Right? Pop. You know, like I'm, it's really weird. Like they all wear Durangos and Wranglers, and then drive Duallys, and I drive a Honda Fit. <laughs> you know, right, right. and wear uh-huh. leather jackets, you know, like, I've always been the weirdo, so it's like, it's kind of funny to, because, I mean, I always pictured myself, I would have rather grown up in, like, a working class thing, like, up in Chicago, <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> Florida's, yeah.
0: well, Florida's a little, it came
1: out of it okay, I mean, that's all part of your, that's all part of your history, you know, it is, you it came is. out of it the right way, No, I I, did, what, what I you did. perceived to be the right way, it's, it
0: feels the right, it definitely feels right, <laughs> But, um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but you're one of the bands, like, cause I, it's funny cause I interviewed Christopher Dowd from Fishbone a couple of weeks ago and, uh, right. uh-huh. and I was talking to him and like your band and his band and like all these bands I was talking about earlier, the, the you guys pulled me, you guys opened my, my, my eyes up to the world and where my head, my family had closed my eyes.
1: Right. Well, I, I think, you know, I think. That's the beautiful thing about music and, and even more so punk rock music. I mean, um, who knows what my path would have been, uh, had I not heard punk rock music, you know, I'd probably be sitting in some cubicle somewhere. I probably would have done the corporate thing, you know, uh, like, like said, punk rock, punk rock and music when I heard it, it, it Absolutely, I knew the minute I heard it that I was never going to be the same, right. and, and that's really the kind of impact it had on me. Yeah. It changed my life.
0: Yeah, me too. For it's better saved- or for
1: worse, yeah. we don't know, but it, it, it absolutely <laughs> think, changed
0: my life. You know, life. if you're not in a cubicle, it saved your life. I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? What, what, what was that? <laughs> I said, if you're not in a cubicle, it saved your life. <laughs> oh yeah, right. You know. Right. You don't want to be a sheeple, man. <laughs> no. Yeah, right. So right. scary you know, to be stuck I, in know, that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, I
1: mean, in some respects, you know, I might have had a better, like right now, I'm, I'm still, I still am what I would consider to be a punk rocker. Yes. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that might go along with like having to work till I'm 80 and, yes, bro- and be broke the rest of my life. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I really wouldn't trade I'm, it for
0: anything. I'm 47, and I serve pizza slices and sell beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well,
1: yeah, you're in the club.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know exactly where you're at. The thing is is that but I was right. I was lucky enough I married up. so. <laughs> right. Oh, nice. I, I found nice, – nice. see, that's the thing that the guys here in Gainesville do. It's funny. It's like it's the weirdest scene because, like, all the like, – garbage dudes like all of us dirty guys get picked up by these intelligent college girls who are punk too and then they end <laughs> up taking wrong man,
1: with that nothing, no there's absolutely nothing nothing wrong with i'm that.
0: thankful for everything my wife has done believe me she is she she helped me a lot so it's uh that's awesome. yeah awesome. And, and so awesome. and when did peg boy put your first album out when what was your first thing you guys put out and when was that well
1: uh, like i said uh you know so long ago now i mean um I think our first record came out in 1990, and that was that was uh, an EP that we had called Three Chord Monty. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we followed it right up that I think that within you know right up after that, within a few months, we followed up with uh, Strong Reaction, which was our debut Mm full-length album, which which also included uh, Three Chord Monty on it. Yeah,
0: I gotta say I can't tell you how many times on tour. When I was on tour with Hot Water Music, we listened to that CD, and tape. Yeah, it, 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 that thing played know, non-stop. And,
1: and, and I'm not just saying this to blow smoke up your ass, but we at the time, um, you know, when we were touring quite a bit, um, Gainesville back then was always. We always look forward to going there. And, oh, wow. and Hot Water Music guys used to always come out to all the shows. You guys used to always come out to the shows. We always look forward to that, and, and it was a great... You guys had a great scene going back then.
0: Thanks, man. Absolutely. That's, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean,
1: that, it's, you know, in some ways, you know, I mean, I'm glad that we were together when we were together because, I, I mean... Like, to go back to, like, the Nirvana thing when Nirvana broke or whatever, or when or when punk rock music actually crossed over into the mainstream. For those few years there, those few years, like, in the 90s, yeah. I mean, there were just really, really some great music scenes going yeah. on
0: at the time. It was so crazy. Like, I remember, like, going places. I remember, like, I, I didn't even expect it. was the first time I ever saw the Bouncing Souls in New Jersey, you know? Uh-huh. And they were playing in, in a... Uh, like a church basement or something you know (laughs) yeah right or bands like spark marker you know like they show up at the utility house in gainesville you know it's like all these amazing bands you would never expect like if i when i explain the stuff that like you've seen and like i've seen in in our lives to the young kids nowadays they think i'm full of shit like they don't get it exactly I like, exactly.
1: I wish the kids, you know, it's, they're they're just a victim of when they were born. But I, I mean, I, I really wish like punk rock kids today could have had a little taste of what that scene was back then because it, it was it was really great. I it, mean, and who, who knows? Maybe it'll. Hopefully. You know, music goes in cycles. Hopefully, yes. that'll come back. But I don't see much. There's really not much of a scene, per se, anymore. Bands used to be able to jump in the van and just go on tour for two months at a time. Yes. Uh, nowadays, you can't really do that. You can't. The, the scenes don't support bands being on tour like that anymore. (laughs) Nowadays, everybody flies to one town and does a big festival for a weekend, goes somewhere else, does another festival, and that, 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 in in my opinion, that kind of hurts the true independent uh, music scene a little bit. So how do you... I think.
0: Right, right. So, so after the, the, uh, that album came out, Strong Reaction, what, and you, so that, Right when that took out, how did it pretty much blow up for you guys? And, and and did clubs start calling you and your or your friends? Like, did everything start kind of taking off from there right away? Because I mean, the album's strong as shit from start to finish. Um, there's no, there's no. Not... Uh, uh, uh,
1: no, I mean, really, the only the way it happened for us was just we were, you know, for for those five, six, seven years, you know, early years oh we were just touring all the time right I mean you know um, so it wasn't really a blow up but, but right. again I go back to like um, back then you could you could not, you could support yourself you could go on the road and expose yep. yourself to people and not lose your ass exactly so it was doable back then you know <laughs> what I mean yep. it was doable if you just worked hard and kept kept plugging away yeah you you could make a living as a musician. Yeah. That's tough now. You it know, is. it's tough now with people, you know, people just take what they want from the internet now. And I don't want to sound like a crybaby. No, I no, it, it makes... Too. No, you're right. <laughs> I do it too. But it just it just becomes so much harder for a band that's not on a major label to, to, to do any real kind of touring. There's still bands that do it, and they do okay, right. but it's not like it was. I mean, you know, like back then, I mean, there were bands come... Every weekend there was a national act coming through some small club somewhere. You right. don't really see that too much
0: anymore. No, you don't. That's crazy. So back in around 98 when I saw you... Uh, I know you guys were touring a lot. Uh, what did um did you guys hit Europe a lot around that time period? Did you guys ever go over to Australia? Did you ever get you
1: know? Yeah, you know, uh, no. We we never did. You know, it's funny. As much as we toured the states, we never did that much world touring. Uh, we we toured Europe a couple times, um, but that was about it. We never so. As far as like you know. Australia or Japan or anything like that. We yeah. never we never did end up going to any of those places. And I think probably like to? in the late nineties is, is when that kind of started to catch on. I think yeah. a lot of those countries may have been behind a little bit. Yeah, it took, took a little while for bands to be able to pull that off uh, without again without losing their asses. That's Ass, right. Most so that became <laughs> that. That's more of a thing that
0: happened a little bit later
1: I believe yeah yeah so and I think that was probably probably due to the advent of the internet I know we went to uh, a couple years ago we, we went down and played Sao Paulo Brazil now I know damn well (laughs) <laughs> that right. we never had any record distribution down there. right? Uh, but when we went down there to play, that, to play the, those shows, I mean, the kids down there, I mean, it was awesome. The kids knew every single word to every single song. So, wow. So, I mean, in that regard, in that regard, uh, the internet has been great for music.
0: Yeah. And right. I
1: think that's what's kind of allowed a lot of these bands, or a lot of American bands, to go further and further out to different countries. And the music did... makes its way there on its own. You yeah. know what I mean?
0: And also to, re- again, reintroduce you to a new generation of fans. Uh, say that again. I, I said that even the, the, the nowadays the internet even allows you, you know, to, for people far away to see you, but even to nowadays introduce you to newer fans, you know, like a new generation yes, of yes. fans. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely, absolutely. So I think, I, I mean, I think in that respect uh, it's great because once, once your music gets to the internet, it's, it can go anywhere. Yes. And any kid that, that is looking to find it can find it, which is a great thing. I think that's an awesome thing.
0: Awesome, man. And, and uh, after after your first album you put out, how many more albums did Pegboy put out altogether?
1: Oh, jeez. You're, you're, you're quite... You you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're put me behind the eight ball. Oh, sorry. One, you two, can give me a very three.
0: low estimate <laughs> if you want.
1: I think... I would. I'm going to give you a low estimate. I think there were. I think we only did like four records total, and four maybe records. a couple of singles along the way. Okay, there. okay, that's so, so not, not a huge. We we, we never put out a huge catalog. I mean, by the by the by the 2000s, our, our touring had slowed down quite right. a bit, and. Uh, you know, we just weren't writing for a while. We, we were kind of dormant for a while. Um, we never actually broke up, but we were probably only playing locally. Right. Maybe a couple times a year. That's maybe, probably around the. Maybe the, the surrounding but, states.
0: I'm guessing that was around the time where you guys were maybe starting families and stuff like that.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, I, would, I would definitely say that. And, you know, and, and again, that was also about the time that it was getting harder and harder to, to tour and make money. And, and, and make ends meet yeah. right so it, it became it became not worth it, it you know we couldn't afford to, to, to leave our jobs to yeah. go to our
0: so, so, so I that
1: had something to do with
0: it yeah yeah I gotta say one of my favorite places I wanted to talk about in Chicago every time I went there was Fireside
1: oh boy yeah <laughs> <laughs> we don't yeah, have to I talk mean, about it with come, that mean, response Fireside to this day I mean I, man i I mean, to me, uh, the Liars Club was is, is my home hub
0: of yeah. Chicago.
1: It's 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 one of the last true punk rock bars left. Yeah. And uh, man, I, I can't even tell you how many b- blackout good and bad nights I've had there. <laughs> but it's, it's always fun. It's it's still to this day is a great place to go. And saw, I've been at it for twenty years now.
0: I've, over twenty I've, years. Yeah, yeah. I've, and I was so lucky to see so many good bands there when I was there. And I can only imagine how many you were able to just, you know, catch, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. And for people who don't know, I mean, it's just this tiny little club that barely has a stage. But it's it, it's one of those bars that has the right attitude. Yeah. Always had the right attitude. And Herb, the owner, um, you know, he always had his head on to the point where you know it it was more more than him making money it was about everybody at his club having fun yeah yeah that's awesome they're great people over there
0: awesome so as you were progressing and you know it's getting through the 2000s were you um, any bands that you like saw coming up as you as you were you know doing your thing and you're like damn i really want to get back there out on the road were there any bands that you were seeing that were touring were like we could do that i mean there there had i mean like there was so many there were so many bands coming out even in the 2000s i don't i'm sure you guys were super busy so was there a point when you decided that yeah you know what I, i mean i
1: kind of honestly I, I, I kind of backed away from the music scene a little bit, so I wasn't, like, uh, you know, up on top of everything right. that was happening. I can tell you this, like, as the 2000s progressed, um, I mean, a lot of bands that, you know, the like Alkaline Trio or, or Rise Against, any of those guys, yeah. they were all kind of giving us credit for being influences to, to their band, so... Yeah we kinda got a little push, you know, as, as those bands got bigger and bigger, in Hot Water Music for that matter, Yeah. Uh, as those bands got bigger and bigger, they, they kinda gave us a little push, so, uh, you know, it's kinda come like full circle around, but, uh, which is kinda cool, I guess, yeah. you know, and, and it's cool to see those bands do really well. Well,
0: that's the DIY thing, you know, like, what bands are supposed to do for each other, you know, you're supposed to, like, you want, cause there aren't that, I mean, there aren't that many, really. You know, like
1: no,
0: so it's like it's not like it's it's oversaturated. It's just like you should just be happy. Everybody out there is doing something with it. <laughs> you know, like oh, oh and I absolutely am. I absolutely am.
1: Yeah. And I'm well, sorry if you hear thunder. It's getting ready to we're getting ready to get streamed by rain here. But oh, yeah, okay. yeah, I absolutely am. And I think you know, I mean, as long as the spirits there and you know, bands. You know, plugging away. I think it'll, 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 it'll keep going on. Now, now that, now that punk rock music has busted into the suburbs, it's going to be around for a long time. Yeah, going to steal that from Jeff he Said that one time, and I agree <laughs> totally.
0: So, uh, you guys played the uh, fest last year here in Gainesville, right? Huh? How? So, what did you? Was this? Was that the first time you ever had gotten to uh, come down to visit the fest?
1: That was yeah. That, that was the first time. Um, yeah, that was, that was the first time we were down to Gainesville since since our touring days. So oh. probably since you know the late '90s. Um, so what did you think about? I got to tell you though, <laughs> I got to tell you, I, it made me realize just how old I'm getting. Right? Man, there's a lot of young, there's a lot of young kids in the scene now.
0: Yes, there are. They're they're babies. <laughs> <laughs> and we have. Yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, I was talking to kids like like their first, you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to punk rock yep. was like uh, Blink 182, exactly, which is just, is just crazy to me. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 I, the years creep by and you don't realize how old you're getting, but I mean, it just it just blew me away, yeah, you know? Yeah. It blew me away. Their, their, <laughs> their, their, their experience of punk rock is, is, is completely different Man, than what mine was. Ever.
0: Was your, just a curious question, was your punk rock days, were they violent up there in Chicago? Pardon me? Were the punk rock days, like, in the early 80s, as you were coming up and hanging out in Chicago and getting the band together, was it, like, a violent time for you guys? Like, were there... Yeah,
1: you know, I mean, I came up... I mean, when I got into punk rock up here, it was, like I said, I was probably, like, the early to mid-80s on, you know, on. And uh, Chicago was very... had a real heavy skinhead scene, and uh, of course you, did, you probably know that you know Nazi skinheads uh, originated from Chicago.
0: Yeah, so, we had uh, we like, had
1: two like through big the late, through the late '80s yeah. uh, to, to, to the mid to late '80s. Uh, some of the shows got really violent from, I mean, there were different factions of skinheads going after after each other. The the Nazi skinheads had a really huge presence here. So, you know, the punks were, like, getting in huge fights with them outside of venues, even inside of venues. So it was not your, you know, it was not your family-rated G punk rock scene. Things got pretty... Pretty testy at times.
0: Okay, but
1: that's what you know. That was kind of what made you know.
0: It was kind of what drew me into the scene. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Uh, not the Nazis,
1: obviously. I mean, not <laughs> right, that. Right, but the, the danger of it. It was kind of what drew brought me in.
0: Or kicking yeah, their there asses.
1: Were a lot of good times no. too. I mean, I don't. <laughs> want, I don't want to say it was all marred with violence and everything, but things no. at times got a little testy, for sure. That's
0: what I was wondering because Florida was really bad in the eighties. Uh, I remember I was at Janus Landings in St. Pete, and uh, Mike Ness had just gotten out of jail. They, uh, Social Distortion, just released Prison Bound. And, yeah, uh,
1: right. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh,
1: I think we didn't we did we open up for uh, Social Distortion on that tour?
0: You might have, if I can remember, because the Nazi skinheads freaked out yeah. at the show. <laughs> Started, yes. a... and he
1: almost he almost got in a
0: fight with them right on stage, yep. or something
1: like that. Yeah,
0: and then the skinheads went outside and busted all the windows across the street.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was at I, that it show. It was funny on that show. We we were on tour with them for about a month and a half uh, on on that record. Yeah, and uh, they were having all kinds of problems with skinheads on that on that tour for some reason. Well, I because, loved you know, that's, it. That's I,
0: love a, him <laughs> I love the fact that he called them out. I love the fact that he called them out. He's like, because he, this, exactly. this one kid was doing it and he's just stopped. He's like, listen, you fucking pussy. You know? Yes. He's like, yes. if yeah. you want to do something, I just got out of jail. I'm ready to do something you know
1: yes, yes absolutely <laughs> and, and that's why there was some tension at their shows and, yep. and it happened it happened more than once on that tour I mean it happened oh. at a lot of different places that's what's that so tour. frustrating but, about you know, I mean, yeah. there's dirt bags that come down the show no I mean, shit I, I mean you know being from Florida I mean you guys had a you, I don't know how big but you guys I definitely saw some Nazi there at, were at, around some of our shows yeah. over the years down there I can tell
0: you in Orlando in the '80s, there were about six thousand Nazi skins. And they were called uh-huh. the They were called the O-town skins. Right, and right, then in, uh-huh. and then in Tampa and St. Pete, they were called the Saints, and there was about three thousand of them.
1: Right. So, right. so you then I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I mean, you definitely had your share of boneheads coming to Dude, shows. Dude, I've
0: been in so many fucking fights. It's not even funny. <laughs> it's it sucks. Right.
1: Right. right. <laughs> my body still you know, hurts it, it, you know, it's funny <laughs> it's funny because all this all this craziness that that we had gone through over the years in the scene Yep. Uh, you know, and I get a kick out of, and I and I don't, <laughs> yeah. do nobody get on my case, but I get a kick out of all these people who want like safe spaces at punk rock shows. and, yeah. this and that it's, it's become so. It's staring I, mean, I, I, I understand. I get it. You want to make your statement or whatever, but it's yeah. become like so. It really has become a lot tamer than I remembered it being well, when I was know a kid.
0: That, well, they lost the history of it. It started out as poor working class people people who, who were mad at the government.
1: Right. At everything. And everything. Right. And everything.
0: Uh-huh. So why the fuck aren't these new kids not mad at everything? Because they should be, because the way things are. Instead, they want safe right. spaces to hide from all the horrible things, instead of, right. Right. Instead I totally of hitting them head I mean, on.
1: It's, it's, I mean, I guess, and I guess, you know, some of the explanation of that is because as it's become more mainstream more of the mainstream it takes part in it and I, and I don't think that sense of uh, smash the system is really as prevalent as it was back when we were younger you know what I mean
0: yeah they they drugged it out of the kids
1: <laughs> yeah it's more of a let's say let's say and I, again I don't want to offend any younger people no but it's no more no of a musical it's more of a musical style now than it is a lifestyle no that's very true I've in a, a fashion style.
0: You know, yeah. I mean, it's funny because like the kids at my work, they're all younger than me, and they make fun of me because I still dress the same as I did back in 1986.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Now isn't that exactly what punk rock was against for yeah. we were kids?
0: I was like, I wear. You
1: know, I mean, back then it was wherever, wherever, whatever the hell yes. you wanted to. You That's know? what I told them.
0: I was like, it wasn't about what you wore. It was like what it was yeah. your attitude and what you did for your friends. When there was a fight, exactly. and what you did at exactly. a show, and like how you helped it, your friends, that's what it was all about. I mean, because I think I am exactly. with this show, I'm trying to like recreate the idea for these generations that we can recreate the DIY scene. We don't need money. We, if we just learn right. how to support each other, and every town that they go in, like, make another book your own fucking life book, and go old school <sighs> with it, but just use cell right. phone numbers, you know? And just do it that way. Exactly. And have the kids in each city feel like they're actually a part of this movement like we felt in the 90s. Because everywhere we go, I've never, in Florida, the whole time I lived here, had never been treated as well as I was by strangers in every place that I ever ended up on tour. That's
1: awesome. That's awesome. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Yeah. They yeah, Get you a drink. There, there that there's some of that needs to definitely come back, I mean definitely, and I think it will, yeah, you know I think it will I, I think you say well. it's
0: cyclical, so so what's uh what are the is are do are there any plans for big boy in the uh future there or you got any other music uh, uh interest things you're working you working
1: know, we've we've discussed maybe writing some music, I mean, none of us are really doing anything, so we've discussed maybe writing some music, but I mean right now there's really no plans for any touring or anything like that, um we're not really big. We're not really big on the festival scene, and that seems to be a lot of what's going on now. Yeah, that's so, everybody's mean, getting we'll, their money. We'll, yeah, I'm sure we'll offshoot and do a few shows here and there uh, and just keep grinding along. I think we may do that, um, uh, well, I better not say anything yet. We may do, we may do a boat cruise thing. Uh, This fall. That'd be funny shit. (laughs) Uh, But uh, that's not in stone yet. Uh, So, yeah, well, I mean, we're still plugging away. We'll we'll still play shows. We'll still be around. That's about the only guarantee I can give uh, on it right now.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, man, that was painless. That's all the time (laughs) I'm going to take. I don't want to take too much Uh, of your time. I appreciate you so much. And, again, I just want to thank you for, like, seriously taking the time just to talk to a fan a uh, guy who appreciates awesome. what you did. Yeah,
1: awesome. And I want to, and I want to make a, I want to make a public apology and, and say <laughs> I'm so sorry for just dragging you out for a year and a half with this thing. No, nah, man, it's it no crazy. problem.
0: Uh, I consider you a friend now. Um, you've you've had a powwow with me, and again, my name. Everybody calls me Pops. They have forever. And if you ever need awesome. anything, you let me know. Uh, and if I'm ever in Chicago, hopefully I could hit you up and. Uh, Maybe grab a drink with you.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Don't hesitate. For sure. For sure.
0: Uh, Larry, uh, is there anything you want to tell anybody? Do you want to give them any social media stuff or anything you want to say before? Ah.
1: No, that's it. If they want to find it, they'll find it. That's you know, right. I'm, and it's I'm wor- old school. I, really don't, I don't really get all the social media stuff
0: yet. Yeah, I'll give them it the, the Chicago way. If you like it, fucking... If you want to hear it, fucking find look it. for it, right?
1: If you like it, find it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Awesome. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate you,
0: sir. You have a wonderful day.
1: All right. Awesome. Thanks. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.